You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. I do feel like I have a word from the Lord this morning. Uh, so I'm just going to pray that the Lord will bless the scripture and, and bless the word that I have. But before I get started with that, I'm going to be reading, if you want to get your Bibles out, I'm going to be reading from a, a passage. I'm actually going to be reading all of 2 Samuel chapter 9. So if you want to open up your Bibles or your smartphones or your tablets there, you could go ahead and do that. Before I read 2 Samuel chapter 9, I kind of want to catch you up a little bit on what has happened in the story thus far. We're, ta- we're talking about uh, David's story here uh, in second, first and 2 Samuel. And in 2 Samuel begins with David learning of the death of Saul and Jonathan. You don't know who Saul is. Saul was the king of Israel who was jealous that David was next to be king. The reason why he was jealous of David being next to be king, because David wasn't in his, his lineage. David was, you know, apart from his family. And so when God anointed David to be king, Saul got very jealous and tried to, tried to kill him multiple times. And you could see that if you read throughout uh, 1 Samuel, you'll see multiple times where God uh, spared David's life as a result of Saul trying to kill him. But also Saul's life was restored as well. And also Jonathan passed away. If you don't know who Jonathan is, Jonathan was Saul's son. And it's really ironic how this works out. Saul's son, Jonathan, became David's best friend. So there were times when Saul would try to kill David that Jonathan would kind of help him out. And here in 2 Samuel, upon the deaths of both Jonathan and Saul, David is appointed the king over Judah. His time had come and he'd be appointed the king. Saul's family, however, is not happy about this. So they rise up against David. And as a result, war broke out between the two parties. David was victorious because David was called to be king, and God helped him. And he became king over all of Israel. He defeated the Philistines and restored religious order to Israel. All of this happens in the first eight chapters of 2 Samuel. All of that happens from Samuel, 2 Samuel 1 through chapter 8. And in chapter 9, we're kind of met with a bit of an interruption in the narrative. I love when God provides us with interruptions. Amen? I'm going to say that one more time. I love when God provides us with Holy Spirit, God-inspired interruptions. Amen? Amen. Chapter 9 recalls to readers' attention a character that was briefly mentioned earlier in 2 Samuel chapter 4. This is what the text says. I believe I have it up there. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, when talking about Jonathan, when talking about uh, all that had taken place after the death of Jonathan and Saul, this passage of Scripture uh, appears in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. Everybody say, lame in both feet. Lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. Everybody say, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Say it one more time. All right. After, after that, we don't hear anything else about Mephibosheth, and you're wondering why in the world was that even mentioned. But here we are reminded of Mephibosheth, and we learn a little bit more about Mephibosheth's story here in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And even though he's a character that's so briefly mentioned here in Scripture, you see him here mentioned in uh, 2 Samuel 4.4, 4, 
chapter 9 and a couple times here throughout. But after that, you don't hear anything else about him. I believe that we can learn a lot from Mephibosheth's life. So here we go. 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting with verse 1. If you're free to, if you're free to stand, if you want, we're going to be reading the whole chapter here. This is what it says. David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. So everybody say Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there still no one alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There's still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Here we go. Being defined by his, his brokenness. Verse 4, where is he, the king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makar, son of Emil in Lodabar. So King David, in verse 5, had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makar to the, the son of Emil. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? goes to show what Mephibosheth thought of himself because of what people had said about him, what he was now starting to believe about himself. Verse 9, the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson, talking about Mephibosheth, everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring them the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Wow. Verse 12, Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. Verse 13, and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. This morning, I want to talk to you about a little bit about Mephibosheth, and the sermon title that I have for you is called Carried to the Table. All right. Carried to the Table. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day and everything that you've already done so far. Lord, it is because of your presence that we are here. It is because of you that we are here. And I just pray, Father, right now in the name of Jesus that you would just take these next few moments, Lord God, and speak to your people this morning. Allow these words not to be my words, but words that, Lord God, you're speaking through me. Lord God, I surrender my spirit. I surrender my words. I surrender my thought process to you right now. Holy Spirit, work through me. Lord, I just pray right now against any distraction, anything that may be trying to hold us back from receiving what it is that you have for us, Lord. Because, Lord, I believe that you've come today, Lord God, to touch people's lives. I just pray that you would just move in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. 
One of the things I really enjoy about reading the Bible and studying the Bible is the attention that uh, is put to detail regarding the multiple characters that are mentioned throughout the Bible. And if you've ever read your Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament mentions hundreds, thousands maybe, of characters. Uh, of course, many of us would be able to ma- name all like the main characters of the Old Testament and the New Testament. If I were to ask you who some of these characters are, you would probably would say Adam and Eve or Abraham in the Old Testament, Moses, David, or maybe in the New Testament, the 12 disciples. Maybe you can name all the 12 disciples' names or Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, Peter and Paul, or maybe even Jesus himself. The reason why we know a lot about these characters is because there's an extensive amount of information given about them, and they're preached about all the time, which they should be. Those are, those are pivotal characters in the unfolding of Scripture and the unfolding of God's story. However, when I read the Bible, I like to focus on the not-so-obvious characters. Not saying I don't study about Jesus, Peter, Paul, and all them, but I like to take the time to focus on, and if I am am reading my Bible or I'm studying, I come across a character that may not know much about and it briefly mentioned, I like to kind of learn some more information about them. These characters are not not obvious, and they're kind of like hidden gems that we encounter while we're reading. These hidden gems typically only have a few verses or maybe even a chapter or multiple chapters, but not very much is dedicated to telling about their lives. And it's almost like the story just interrupts like we have here in 2 Samuel 9. It's almost like an interruption in the narrative of telling about David's life and and about David's accolades and everything that he's doing. And we have this interruption telling about Mephibosheth. It's very easy to miss these characters It's almost like they're a blip on the biblical radar. But these characters include characters like, and if you've read throughout the Old Testament, there's several, like I said, Jabez. How many of you have ever heard this character, Jabez? When reading, yes, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 to 11, only two verses dedicated to Jabez. It says this, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Only two verses are mentioned about Jabez, but we learn that despite your past, despite what everybody has said about you, in only two verses we learn that what God says about you is all that matters. And what God says and God blesses, no man can take away. We learn that in only two verses. Then you have uh, several, char- several more characters. Rahab the prostitute in Joshua chapter 2 helped protect Israel's spies in Jericho. Only one chapter is dedicated to telling about that. And many of the characters throughout all the Gospels, you see like Jesus encountering various characters. And in Mark especially, it kind of goes quick. And you're learning very few details about these characters. But I think it's important that if we would take the time to look at these minor characters, these hidden gems, we can learn a lot. I believe that God has a lot to say because I believe that God does not waste any amount of the Bible. Every jot and tittle, the scripture says, every word that's written in scripture is not forgotten, it's not missed, it needs to be focused on. And sometimes I think we focus on some areas too much and other areas not enough. And sometimes I think we, we think that we know everything there is about a certain area of Scripture that we get it wrong and maybe misconstrue it and it causes confusion. But I think it's important for us to focus, yes, on the major characters of Scripture, but also on the minor character of Scriptures. In Rahab's story, we learn that God honors obedience. And one of my favorite characters of these hidden gems 
is a character by the name of Mephibosheth. Everybody say that name one more time, Mephibosheth. When people think of King David, you think of all the accolades that he'd done, and and it's not uncommon for them to quote the story of David and Goliath where he took the stone and he slew Goliath, or talk about his misfortunes with Bathsheba or his repentance or being called a man after his own heart because David is a major character throughout all of the Old Testament. And all often when you're reading through 2 Kings and and you're reading through uh, the scriptures, you miss the story of Mephibosheth. What is not surprising because Mephibosheth's life was one that was often associated with being on the margins of society and going unnoticed. In fact, Mephibosheth's name literally means out of the mouth, shame. Out of the mouth, shame. It's no wonder that people overlooked overlooked him. But even this week, as I was studying this this story of Mephibosheth and and studying about his life, this is one of my favorite characters throughout all of the Old Testament, maybe throughout all of the Bible, because he reminds me of myself so much. And every time I read about his story, I'm drawn to emotion. There have been times in my life where I've been kicked aside. There have been times in my life where I've been overlooked and forgotten about. People have mocked me, made fun of me, and made me feel unimportant, called me what they, they thought I was. I can tell you different names that people called me when I was in high school, and I don't really want to say that because I don't want you to call me those names. But it was very unfortunate. I remember times in my life, and I've told students this multiple times, when I told people that I was a Christian, I remember one time in our high school standing in what we called Center Hall. And the reason why they called it Center Hall is because all of the, all the hallways in the school kind of merged in this area. and People would go there after school and kind of just hang out before they would go home. I remember standing in the center of Center Hall, people standing around me, making fun of me because I was a Christian, mocking me because of my past, calling me broken. And I'll tell you what, there's moments in my life may not have lived me or left me in a physical state of a, a brokenness like Mephibosheth, but my mental and spirit were my mental and spiritual state were both broken. That's why I can relate to the story of Mephibosheth so much because people had forgotten about Mephibosheth. And and even in this story we see, is there any other people in the house of Saul? And you can can just imagine the servant is just thinking, 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 oh, oh, yeah, 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 there's Mephibosheth. Where most people probably wouldn't even think about, but there's this guy, he's, he, you know, he's lame in both feet or whatever, and, 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 and he kind of goes unnoticed and he's unimportant. That's been me in my life before. But I don't know about you, I'm thankful that in those moments where I've been cast aside, where I've been kicked to the side, there's a God who saw me. There's a God who saw me, and there's a God who never forgot about me. There's a God who cared about me. God never forgot where I was and never, and he saw me in my brokenness. And in the midst of my brokenness, God found me and made me feel like I belong and that I'm cared about. He gave me a seat at his table. Maybe there's someone in this, in this room right now, or maybe someone who's listening at home. Maybe your life has been defined by brokenness. Maybe you have been kicked aside, cast aside, for whatever reason. Maybe people have made fun of you. Maybe people have mocked you. Maybe people have overlooked you and said, you don't matter. You're too young, and you come from this family or that family. Your life does not matter. Maybe that's you this morning. 
And maybe you came to church and you walked in the back of the church and, and you're thinking, well, I'm just going to kind of walk in, blend in, uh, sit here through service and leave and, and kind of continue to be in this cycle of brokenness because nobody sees me anyway. Let me just tell you, God sees you. And just like he saw Mephibosheth, he sees you in your brokenness. He sees you when everybody else seems to look aside and everybody else seems to cast you aside. God sees you. and He's inviting you to have a seat at his table. I was going to have a table up here this morning. Couldn't really figure out how to do it. Um, but it would have been cool. Unfortunately, I don't have that. There are three things that we can take away from Mephibosheth's story. Everybody say Mephibosheth. I love that name. Katie said, I, I, I like this story so much just because I like to say his name. It's because you, you, you sound important when you say his name. The first thing that we can learn in, in an us who are dealing with brokenness, us who are dealing with shame, and us who may be going through a difficult time right now, the first thing that we can see and learn from Mephibosheth's story is that God sees you and will meet you in your brokenness. From the, from the time Mephibosheth was five years old, he was defined by his brokenness. So much so that people did not even give him hope and overlooked him. Even though it wasn't even his fault. We see in 2 Samuel chapter 4 where it talks about how the, the, the servant who was holding him running away and dropped. It wasn't even his fault that he was broken. Maybe you're here this morning and it's, you're broken and it's not your fault. It, the brokenness happened a long time ago and it was the fault of somebody else or, or something happened in your life and, and it just caused this vicious cycle to unfold because of that one moment or that one event. It's not even your fault, but yet you've been kicked aside, you've been overlooked, and, and you, you've been left broken. But David remembered Mephibosheth. David remembered him and he met him in his brokenness. If you're feeling broken and, and you feel like all hope is lost this morning, God wants to meet you in your brokenness. Maybe you've been burdened by all the bridges, like everything in your family, there, there's difficulties in your family, or maybe someone hurt you in your family and you've been able, unable to move from that. Maybe you haven't talked to one of your loved ones for a very long time because of the hurt that happened and you're, you're feeling broken. Or maybe there's a friend that you thought was a friend, you placed your trust in them. Maybe you told them something and they betrayed your trust and as a result, you're broken. You've never been able to move on from that brokenness. Or, or maybe your, your, your spouse, or maybe you, you and your husband and your wife got into dispute and now you're on the fringes of your married marriage ready to say that we want to be divorced. You're left broken. God sees you in your brokenness. Even when you feel like there's nowhere left to turn, God sees you in your brokenness. And maybe, like I said, your brokenness was caused by somebody else. Your brokenness does not have to define you any longer. Everybody look up here. I know we, we got things going on. Your brokenness does not have to define you anymore. Your brokenness does not have to define you anymore. Have you guys ever seen the movie Good Will Hunting? Anybody ever see the movie Good Will Hunting? Well, late great Robin Williams, may he rest in peace. Anybody ever see the movie Good Will Hunting? Okay, a few of you. All right, if you haven't, it's a decent movie. There's some certain choice language that I would not recommend watching the movie. But there's a scene where Robin Williams' character is talking to Matt Damon's character. And he's trying to get to the bottom. And uh, Robin Williams is just, or Matt, Matt Damon's character is just constantly talking and talking. And all Robin Williams keeps saying is, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. 
It's not your fault. And I feel like that's what the Lord is saying this morning to some of you is it's not your fault. Stop taking the blame. Stop taking that burden on you and give that brokenness to God. Stop taking that burden on you and and give your brokenness to God and come sit at his table because he's got a place for you. He sees you in your brokenness and he wants to help you. He sees you in your brokenness and he doesn't want to leave you there. He He wants to meet you in your brokenness so that he can take care of you and take it away from you. He wants us to shake free of the mentality that we're defeated because we're not. Just like in Luke chapter 15 when the farmer left the 99 to go find the one, God and Jesus are leaving the 99 to find you in your brokenness. If you feel broken, let me just say that God sees you and is with you. Everybody say, God sees me. God sees me. The second thing we can learn from Mephibosheth's story is that God often uses the people around us to help us. God uses the people around us to help us out of our brokenness. As was the case with Mephibosheth, we, who was too weak to make it to the king by himself, the king sent his servants to get Mephibosheth. So too does God appoint people to help us in the midst of our brokenness. This is a hard concept for us to grasp sometimes because it it may have been the people that have caused your brokenness. People, maybe you don't trust people. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but maybe there's people in your life that you don't trust. And because you don't trust people or someone hurts you and you lost trust in that person, you don't want to trust anybody else. You don't want to ask people to help you. It's a hard concept for us to grasp because you don't trust Trust may have been broken and it's hard to restore. But please don't lose hope in all people because you're hurt by other people. God has appointed people in your life who want to help you in the midst of your weakest moments. In the midst of your brokenness, God has appointed people in your life to speak life over you. Here's the thing. You need to be careful who you're listening to. Because I guarantee you, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of situations that you're going, to, going through, there will be multiple people who want to speak into your life. But you have to be careful what you choose to believe and how you choose to receive the words that people have for you. You need to be careful what you're, you're hearing, discernment, and, and making sure that the words that they're saying are actually words that are helping you. God has appointed those people in your life for a reason. I'm thankful that God has appointed several people in my life to help me in my weakest moments, brokenness. I mean, I'm going to say some names here that maybe some of you don't know, but I'll tell you what, they mean a lot to me. Pastor Carson Robson, I've talked about him a few times. He might be watching online. Pastor Carson actually had to go through knee surgery a couple weeks ago, and he needs your prayers. He needs your prayers for healing and recovery. But I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for Pastor Carson and Jessica Robson, I probably would not be here today. Because Pastor Carson was used by God in the midst of my brokenness, in the midst of my loneliness, in the midst of moments where I even considered, what would it be like to take my own life? And, and what would it be like if I was no longer here? And I was, I'll tell you what, people, I was broken. 
If it wasn't for people like Pastor Carson, who, who was used by God to speak into my life, I can tell you time and time again where he spoke words of encouragement over me, where I was going through difficult times, and, and he just spoke life over me. And I'll tell you, there are people that God has appointed in your life to do the same exact thing. It's okay to trust people as long as you're using discernment. Another name that I want to use is Chuck Rosalski. Chuck Rosalski, one of probably my fathers in the faith. If it wasn't for Chuck, I would have never made it to youth group. If it wasn't for Chuck, I probably would have left church back in children's church because they kicked me out of class, believe it or not. And Chuck will tell you this story. They kicked me out of class, and I was very discouraged. And I didn't, obviously, I was a kid. Apparently, I was a troublemaker. I don't know where that happened. Caleb's laughing. You were too. But if it wasn't for Chuck, whenever they kicked me out of the class and coming and sitting beside me and talking to me and helping me and giving me words of encouragement, I probably wouldn't be here today. My uncle, Uncle Chad, who, who, who's been pivotal in our lives and, and, and several others in, in, in my life who, who God has appointed to help me in my weakest moments and in, in, in those broken moments. And the reason why... These are men is because one of my most broken moments is when growing up without uh, having a father in my life. That's one of the moments in my life and one of the things in my life that have left me the most broken. For those of you who are new a little bit about my story, I don't want to get too much into it, maybe some other time. My father, my real father, biological father, left, my, left me at a very young age, didn't really uh, understand it, didn't really comprehend at that age why my dad would leave, and, and I'm, I'm thinking back through my story, especially now as I'm having kids, I could not, can't even still comprehend why my father would want to leave at me at such a young age. I'll tell you, that left me in a very big state of brokenness. I was broken. And maybe some of you have heard this story before, but that's okay. But I'll tell you what, God put these men in my life and others to help me in my brokenness. I mean, I'll tell you what, people, I was so broken. And it, it just seemed like, it just, it, 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 as you feel like, and maybe you've been there before, as you feel like you're starting to get over the situation that made you broke, something happens to remind you of your brokenness. You've been there? Where you feel like, oh, I'm taking a step in the right direction. All of a sudden, you get this reminder of why you were broken, and it causes you to take some steps back. One of the moments that caused me to take the biggest step back is I was getting ready to go to college, and I had heard that my mom or my grandmother had passed and left some money for me to be able to, I was like, well, that'd be awesome. I went to Malone, uh, Stephen. You know how much Malone costs, brother. I heard my mom, my grandmother had left me some money, and so I was like, okay, I need to maybe try to call my dad and, and see if, if, if he knew anything about it. I hadn't had talked to my dad, or he hadn't even reached out or anything, but I called a number that my mom thought was his number, and whenever I, uh, I, I, I got a hold of him, he answered the phone, and he said, hey, this is Jim, and I said, hey, dad, this is your son. And he said, I don't have a son. Talk about brokenness. I had taken steps forward. Pastor Carson had shown me, hey, it's okay to take steps forward, to grow in your faith and, and to move forward and, and to move forward in your brokenness. And all of a sudden, I got that one phone call that caused me to take multiple steps back. But I'm thankful that I serve a God who even in my weakest and most broken moments saw me 
And he didn't give up on me. And he put other people in my life. And, and I'll be honest with you, God still is still dealing with me to recover from the brokenness that I had from ha- not having a father in my life. And God will do the same for you. And God has put people in your life as well. You just need to be careful who you're listening to. I cannot say that enough. Just because someone's willing to speak into your life doesn't mean you have to listen. Just because someone's got a loud voice doesn't mean you have to listen. Because sometimes the loudest voices will lead us the furthest away. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to give us discernment. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to take the words that people say about us, to take the words as they're trying. And listen, sometimes people are trying to help us, and they don't even really fully realize that they're not. And we need to make sure that we're, we're cycling everything through Scripture, everything through the Holy Spirit. But I guarantee you that if you do that, there are people who will speak into your life, who will help get you to the table. In the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of all that you're going through, there, will people, there are people who will come alongside you and help you get to the table. The third thing we learn from this is to the Holy Spirit right now. Lord, whoever it is this morning, Whoever it is that's feeling broken, whoever it is that's feeling lost, who's feeling hurt, whoever it is, Lord, do a work as only you can do this morning. If you're a believer and if, you're, if you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, I need you to pray right now. I need you to be praying right now. Whoever it is, Lord, you know who it is. You know what it is that they've gone through. You know what it is that they've been called. You know what it is that they've been classified. Meet them where they are, Lord. Meet them where they are, Lord. Meet them in their brokenness. It's not an accident that they're here. Lord, I just pray that you would raise up spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers to speak into their lives this morning. Those who may feel like they have no place to go. Those who feel like they have no direction, give them direction. Those who feel like they don't belong, make them realize that they belong. We speak life over them right now in the name of Jesus. We speak life over their situations right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God sees us in the midst of our brokenness, and he uses people to help us out. And the final point is this. God will grant you favor even when no one else will. At the end of this story, we see that David allows Mephibosheth to eat at his table. But not only that, he considers him to be like one of his own sons and grants him favor by allowing him to eat there whenever he wanted Not only was Mephibosheth granted favor, but even his family and generations after Mephibosheth were granted favor. What I love is about this is that David goes above and beyond to help Mephibosheth and grant him favor. God does the same thing with us.
God does the same thing with us. We just need to allow God to help us in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of the moments where people have forgotten about us, when we're kicked aside. He doesn't just help us, but he does it in a big way. He does this all by granting us favor. Now, you need to notice something. Just because Mephibosheth had favor and was allowed to eat at the table of David did not mean that his ailment went away. He still had to bear the scars of his brokenness, but he was able to find favor in the midst of it. Can I just tell you this morning, and I, I, I guess I'm just speaking in my own, maybe I'm preaching to myself this morning. Maybe I should sit like this, like you guys are. <laughs> there are things that have happened in your life. There are, there are things that have left you broken that leave scars. You have the scars of your brokenness. You have the scars of, of what happened to you. And, you know, I used to think that whenever we come to the Lord and we, we talk about uh, being healed and delivered, that scars were a bad thing. But I believe that scars are actually a good thing. Why are scars a good thing? Because they remind us of where we were and how far we've come and now where we are. So when you come to the Lord and God meets you in your brokenness and you come and take a seat at his table, yes, you're going to receive the favor God has for you and, and we pray that all the ailments or whatever it is, but there are going to be scars that still remain. And what we need to be careful is we don't allow those scars to hold us back from the more that God has for us. Because God is calling us forward. God is calling us to move on. And all we do is look at our scars and say, God, I'm, I'm incapable. I'm unable to do so. And God is saying, forget the scars and move forward anyway. Favor is a unique thing because it goes above and beyond what makes sense. But I believe that that's an area that God specializes in. No one else would have given Mephibosheth uh, the time of day, but David did. No one else would have given us the time of day, but God does. God wants to show you favor and use you in spite of your brokenness. And in closing, and Pastor Jerome wants to come up, kind of went through a little quick here this morning. It's okay. Not bad. What I love most about this story is in the last verse, verse 13, Leaders are remind, readers are reminded once again of Mephibosheth's condition. In verse 13, it says this, And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. What's so interesting about the end of the story is that Mephibosheth was given all that he could ever need. David had opened up the, the doors of blessing and gave him everything, all the servants, all the best cooks, the best supplies, the wealth, everything he could possibly need. But David said that he wanted Mephibosheth to eat at his table at his palace. Mephibosheth could have had a good life on his own, but David invited him to eat at his table every day. It is awesome that even though Mephibosheth was lame, but when he sat at the table with David, his lameness was covered. His brokenness was covered. 
When God invites us to sit at his table, yeah, you may be carrying the scars of your brokenness, but when you sit at the table of the Lord, all your brokenness is covered. It's almost to say this is the same person who was in a hopeless situation, but look at him now. This is the same person who was abandoned by everyone, but look at him now. This is the same person who was broken, but look at him now. This is the same person who was strung out on drugs, but look at her now. This is the same person who had a child out of wedlock, but look at her now while she's sitting at the table, the table that the Lord has prepared a place for us, the table that the Lord has set before us in the midst of our brokenness. When they're sitting at the table, all that brokenness is covered. Look at this person who is addicted to alcohol. Look at her now. Look at the same person who, who, whatever it is to fill in the blank, look at them now. Let me just say, when you're sitting at the table of the Lord, he doesn't see your brokenness. When you're sitting at the table of the Lord, he doesn't see what it was that had defined you in the past. And let me just tell you this, there are other people sitting at the table, and they shouldn't see those things either. We're all invited to the table that the Lord has provided for us. We're all broken and in need of a Savior. I don't care if you've served the Lord for one year or a hundred years. We're all broken. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would not be at the table. Amen. How about this? If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be at the table. We need to stop criticizing for those who are others are at the table. Oh, that's the person who was strung out on drugs. They gave their heart to the Lord, and guess what? They're at the table. That's the person who was addicted to this. Guess what? They're no longer defined by that. They're at the table. Let's stop holding those things against people, and let's start coming together as the kingdom of God, being the people that God has called us to be. Right. Because if we're going to constantly be looking at the things that once defined somebody, we're never going to be able to move forward in what God has called us to be. It's not our job, church. Everybody look up here. If it's your first time here or you've been here for 30 years, it's not our job as the church to judge people. Amen. Go ahead. Preach it. It's not. I think, I think we get too accommodated. Like, well, uh, they, well they, look what they did. It doesn't matter what they did. Because when the Lord looks at them, he doesn't see their brokenness. He sees his blood of his son, Jesus. As one pastor used to say, Kirk, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. There's not one of us, brother, who's above the other. I don't care what it is that you've done. I don't care what it, how broken your life has been. God has prepared a seat at his table for you. God has prepared the seat. Let's stop taking the chair out from underneath people and let's start pulling up the chair for those people. God has called us here at Lake Erie Church. It's not an accident. We're in this location. It's not an accident. We're right here. God has called us for a time such as this to go out into the lost and broken world and show them that there's a table that God has prepared. There's a seat that's here for you. God has called us to go to those who are hurting. God has called us to go to those who are broken. God has called us that doesn't matter what their lives were defined by at any point in their life. God has called us to go to our brothers. Let's go, brothers. 
You guys, once we're defined by brokenness, God has called us to bring them to the table. God has said, I don't care what it is that once defined their life. I don't care what it is that caused them to be broken. I don't care if they don't look like me, if they don't act like me. There's a seat at the table for them. God has prepared a seat. Who is it? Who is it that God is calling you to? Who is it? Who's the one? Who's the one? Josh, come here. Josh, come here. He's called us as a church. Come on, church. He's called us to go find those who were lost. He's called us to find those who were broken. He's called us to go and say, hey, we have a seat at the table for you. There's a seat that was prepared for you. You need to help others find their seat as well. We're all carried to the table. There's a song that, that Leland, one of my favorite songs, if you've ever heard of the band Leland, it's kind of a worshipy pop type music called Carried to the Table. <laughs> Wounded and forsaken, I was shattered by the fall. <laughs> but God sees us in our brokenness. God sees you in your brokenness. And he's prepared a seat at the table for you. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Now we invite you to visit one of our services soon. For more information, please visit us at lakeeriechurch.com.